Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 380 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? Feeling a lot of emotions this week, uh, but I'm very good. <laughs> how, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very well. So what's been happening with you? I finished a bad TV show and also watched a penalty shootout yesterday. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just a 50-50 game in it, penalties. But uh, I shall mention that a bit later. The bad TV show that I finished was called Killing Eve. This it is interesting. The- I watched the first couple of seasons of it and then I heard that the writing dramatically dropped off as the show went on because there were what, four seasons of it, wasn't there? Yeah, the, the third one was when things started to slip away a little bit, but there was still there's something there. Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, left after the first season. She's listed as a uh, exec producer, exec yeah. producer uh, for this season, but she's not the showrunner or anything. It was interesting. I was looking up a couple of things about the ending, and apparently, even the the author of the book wasn't very happy with what they chose to do at the end, right. which which makes sense. Ruined both the main characters. Great. Ruined some of the other characters as well, but some of them were just not even I, I don't even know how to put what happened to them at the end I thought what actually happened at the end of the story was very very stupid if I was to use a word to describe like going through it I would choose painful um, <laughs> it, it was interesting because I mean this came out like quite a few months ago and it's just taken me ages to get to it and as the weeks when that, that was running kept happening I kept hearing just worse and worse and worse things and I thought okay the first two seasons were, were pretty great probably shouldn't have lasted longer than a third and now it's ending with a fourth so I thought okay at least we've got a final season booked for it mm-hmm. and the third like some people have said it started to really really fall away I, I still thought it was like okay to good from what I remember but just wasn't as good as what it was before and then I started even from the, the opening episode right through to the because eight episode season to the finale this just kept making these choices for these characters you've got things like characters not being able to decide if they want to kill other people because it's like this this network of sort of assassins the show had also gotten to a point where it had basically changed its plot it was no longer about killing eve anymore it had introduced new things it it was a point where you could tell that the show had just lasted too long and yeah. uh, okay in order for, because people really like sandra O oh as eve and jody comer as villanelle we'll just keep making the show and uh, just on those two as well it's really really disappointing because uh, i mean n- nothing that happened in the show is there for obviously they're just doing a script they're doing their acting job but it's a shame to see such talent go to waste yeah there's a term called uh, queer baiting as well which can be used for like you know straight relationships as well i suppose of just teasing a will they won't they thing throughout the whole season and although they don't fully do what could be described as queer baiting, they do what I would say is a version of it, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was incredibly frustrating. I thought the ending was really quite bad. And uh, yeah, it's a shame that it happened to the show. But it just, as the episodes kept going on, characters were just making these choices. And it just, uh, I don't know. Anyway, what, what have you sort of seen about this season? I kind of remember that because it, it ended last year and yeah. I kind of dropped away from it in the second season. I really loved the first season and there's some great writers on that first season. You know, I mean, it, it mm-hmm. was Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, George Kay wrote an episode who's the person that's behind Criminal on Netflix, which is phenomenal. Oh, um, right. yeah. Leaping and and written a whole bunch of other things as well. He's They're doing a thing with his producing partner from Criminal. They're doing an Apple series called Hijack, which I'm sure will be incredible. Mm-hmm. But he was 
one of the writers on the first season. Phoebe was was there. Vicky Jones was there. And they switched showrunners each season. And I'd heard that it just hadn't been sort of great and didn't end well. So I was like, well, I'm not really going to bother going back to watch it now then because I don't want to waste my time going through effectively two and a half seasons that I hadn't finished for, yeah. only for it to end badly. You know, Laura Neal, who was the showrunner on the final season, actually has an overall deal with MGM at this point, although I don't know whether that was prior to the Amazon takeover. So I don't know whether that deal still stands at this point. She hasn't actually right. got any other credits at the moment after Killing Eve, but then it did only end a year ago and she's yeah, working yeah. on new shows. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. And I mean, she was fairly experienced. I mean, she did episodes of Sex Education. She did episodes of Secret Diary of a Poor Girl. So, you know, she, I mean, she had some talent, but mm. apparently that last season got away from us. So. Yeah. And what one of the big mistakes, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes the season makes. It tries so, so, so hard with symbolism mm-hmm. um, and tries to make these characters go, oh, look, this is the reason they're doing this thing, but we're going to really, really, really let you know that this is why. With like deliberate, I mean, I, I don't mind like religious symbolism or is it like, you know, if you, if you write something well, then, you know, I'm welcome to it. But when you try as hard as that and you're just like, oh, look, look at the religious symbolism and, and like, yeah. For example, a character will be doing something and there'll be like an image of Jesus or something on, on, on the wall or an image of like an angel or something. And then the camera will go back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, <laughs> right. yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Just like finish the scene. You just look at the end choice and everybody, because I was reading like online stuff afterwards and everyone was just like, why did you do that for? So <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, unfortunately a big disappointment. The show I've been enjoying very much, been going on Apple TV Plus, is a Big Door Prize Big thing. Big Door Prize, on, yes. Just had a good chunk of episodes right at the moment. I'm very much enjoying that. I think it's kind of an interesting, different idea. It's amazing, isn't it? You you put this like machine into a town and a little card will like change people's lives. Lives, but because people will sort of, I mean, there's characters in the show that sort of, oh, don't really quite fully buy into that. And that's how discussions go forward with the characters and people literally sort of in the show changing their careers. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that I won't spoil it, but the card that the main character gets and they're like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's interesting. Now, I saw the episode yesterday with the, all, the, all, the, all the basketball stuff. That was uh, quite a good one. So I'm caught up on the show. I got renewed very, very early, didn't I? I think when yes, the first episode yeah. almost came out. So yes, well, it's uh, Apple, so. <laughs> yeah, I do have a question question about a renewal for a show in a minute but we'll mm-hmm. get to that shortly i know very much enjoying that chris o'dowell do i really like obviously from the from the it crowd and stuff he's he's been very good in the show as i always say you know there's nothing wrong with doing shorter but very good 30 minute episodes yeah so it shows very good at doing that have you uh seen that at all i've seen the first few episodes of it i've got to go back to it it's one of those things that i just forget to click on apple when i'm looking for things so mm. i do need to go back and watch the rest of it but i really enjoyed the first couple of episodes i like the way that it's sort of like an anthology but isn't because it's a core cast but they focus on one character each time they do that very well i think the way that it transitions each episode you kind of get a hint in each episode of which character they're going to focus on next and i rather like Mm. the way that they do that the basic premise of it is this machine shows up in the local store and they get a card out of it that tells them what their life's potential is and it completely changes this town because everybody gets obsessed by what they could be because of what this machine tells them that they could be and Mm. uh, i really like how they've put it together how it moves from one character to another with each episode and uh, you know but all the core cast is still there really really nicely put together and uh, very very enjoyable it's based on a book as well it's another book adaptation so uh, yeah i i think it's it's a really lovely series it's quite gentle in the comedy as as well it's not sort of too over the top or in your face i really really enjoy it it's been a good series from the first few episodes i've seen i i do need to go back and watch the rest of it though yeah uh just a fun little thing i wanted to mention as well i mentioned this months ago but i kept forgetting to annabelle davis who's warwick davis's daughter turned up in Hollyoaks. um ah. she's called lacey lloyd quite a nice character there's some obviously you know got you villainous sort of mean characters in the show but she's obviously you know got herself caught in some drama because who isn't in these in these types of shows <laughs> she's been kind of a, a welcome addition she's part of this sort of like group of friends she was introduced with this other character who's like this online influencer Influencer, which the show hasn't really done things like because it like Hollyoaks is the one that's the more younger audience yeah. targeted. They'll have like some of the younger characters. 
surprised they haven't really done that sort of thing mm-hmm. up until now. Like they obviously, you know, they do FaceTime and online stuff and that sort of thing, but she um, does online influencer stuff and she's sort of like, not really her assistant, but she, she's her friend that sort of helps her with stuff as well. So um, yeah, it's good to see her in this. Hopefully she's in it for, for a while because I mean, some of these characters, you get them in there for about five to 10 years and some of them only yeah. last a couple of months. Any thoughts on that at, at, at all? Well, I, no, I mean, I haven't watched Hollyoaks in, in a long time and she's also, I mean, she's been in some of the Star Wars stuff she was in willow as well she pops up in that i mean it's lovely that she's followed her in her dad's footsteps i've interviewed warwick a number of times and i mean warwick's wonderful wonderful person it's hilarious when he turns up at a comic con because there have been occasions where he'll literally turn up in the afternoon and just kind of sign a bunch of things and then leave you know so <laughs> not really being kind of announced beforehand there's been a couple of occasions where he's sort of done that the only time he really talks to us as press is when he's flogging something you know if he's got like a big show coming up or or something like that he'll come and uh, do press stuff but he's always wonderful he's always charming he's uh, has a an acting company made up of little people as well which is brilliant and they do like completely standard shows but it's all a cast of little people which is he's just great mm. hopefully she'll be around for a while but like like i say i mean she always she pops up in films alongside her dad and you know various other things so she's pretty good in that so that's what I've been up to. Some very good stuff and some bad stuff as well. Uh, what, what about yourself? Well, we had a couple of big finales this week with The Mandalorian and Picard both finishing their seasons. Picard sort of finishing overall, The Mandalorian finishing this season. Although I'm not entirely sure what they're doing next with that because I don't think they've specifically said, oh, there is another season in development, which is not unusual for Star Wars because they're kind of like that. But we know we've got Ahsoka coming up. We know that we've got a film coming up but they have said that six or seven years away and the film will tie together all of the sort of Dave Filoni-verse stuff so Mandalorian Rebels Ahsoka all the live action stuff and the animated stuff which they cross over quite a lot so that's all going to get packed into sort of one kind of end game type of film but I really liked how they ended The Mandalorian this time around it does feel like it's very much kind of a bookend to that initial arc of Mando and Grogu and leaving them in a sort of nice place where you could potentially come back but maybe put a time jump in so maybe Grogu's grown up a little bit possibly next time we come back I mean this is all speculation we don't know anything but I really liked how they finished that I thought it left everything in interesting places you the Mandalorians are sort of back on Mandalore you've got Mando and Grogu kind of relaxing in between missions but they've got things that they could be doing as well so it leaves everything in quite an interesting place for them to be able to go and pick things up but also rounds things off quite nicely so I thought that was quite good. Yep I really really enjoyed this season. I kind of do understand some of the comments about okay this is really great but sort of where is it going Mm -hmm. Um, I understand that but I think it's almost got like a different aim continuing with what I said I think a few weeks ago on here the show is very good at starting the episode off with a side plot or sort of side quest. I keep thinking of calling them side quests because that's what they kind of, <laughs> yes, that's what they kind kind of, of feel is, like. Yeah. But it'll do like the Witcher effect, which is make you feel like it's a main important thing. I mean, some of the things that do happen that, are, that could can be considered like side parts are actually quite important sort of events and quite mm-hmm. sort of, like the stakes are quite high on some of them. So you can almost kind of, not really forgive, because there's not really anything there to forgive, but kind of ignore the, okay, you got Mando and Grogu and like, what, what are they doing? And can we push the main plot forward? And they do by the end of the season. But yeah, it's one of the few shows, maybe one of the only shows that is able to make you invested in the, in the side stuff. But then the side stuff doesn't involve, it's not like it has B plots with B characters. It's got like its main characters just going off to do random things. I mean, there there is still a number of, oh, Mando will get in a ship, go to this thing, land on a planet, and then something will sort of like distract him. And then there's other things like, oh, an event will happen that will distract the whole main group, which will then take them away for an episode. But it, it doesn't feel sort of like, oh, can you please get back to the main plot? Because mm-hmm. side stuff's still so interesting. I really, really like the development with, with Grogu this season. I think they did quite a lot with him. Yeah. Just from like a pure fun standpoint, the amount of times that Grogu was sort of flipping around or jumping from a chair into somebody's arms. If you do that a bit clumsily, it would look quite silly. Yeah. Like the way this sort of little guy is just flipping around and stuff. Not, not even just from fights, but from just jumping from thing to thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a bit in the season finale when he's on the ground and he just flips straight into this like high chair and starts eating. So that was that was quite fun. But just just little nice little great touches like that, and especially I won't, I won't spoil it, but the the addition of the robot and everything yeah. that Grogu could do with that, like that was that was really really good. And it's just it's these little ideas they did for Grogu this season that just gave him just gave him more more, more things to use and more things to do. Because I know Grogu is very good with the Force, but physically Grogu is a little bit more of a limited character. Character. Mm-hmm. So making him able to do these other things, I just thought added to the scenes quite well. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah. uh, again, you've got Giancarlo Esposito in there as well, which is well, always a good thing. Yes, so. that's never a bad thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. So moving on from Star Wars to Star Trek, Picard finished as well this week. That last season is just great. It's kind of what I wish they'd done throughout the entire thing because the first couple of seasons were very all over the place and that third season really really pulls things together terry maitlis who uh, is showrunner on that third season he's just done a wonderful job of creating this beautiful love letter to next generation and giving those characters a really nice send-off because we're probably not going to see that group together again it's interesting how they came to the end of that and they avoided a lot of the sort of really tropey things that they could have done of having somebody sort of sacrifice themselves to save everybody else and put in some lovely easter eggs as well just for star trek in general there was some great little bits of misdirection about who the big bad was this season it's well constructed it's been one of the most solid seasons of star trek I think they've done in a very, very long time. And there are moments where you do sort of think, how on earth are they going to get out of this? And they manage it and it works and it's believable. Sets things up at the end of it for another potential spin-off, which they haven't actually ordered it, but Terry Maitlis, the showrunner on it, had been talking on Twitter of kind of, I have an idea for another series. We haven't ordered one yet, so I'm just spitballing things. But there is potential for a thing called Star Trek Legacy Legacy, or what he referred to as Star Trek Legacy, which would be following the children of some of the next generation characters as they head off on a new mission under a new captain. And that series, I think, would be brilliant and could be a really interesting one to follow. It's just they've not ordered it yet and they have got their hands full at the moment because they've got um, Starfleet Academy coming, they've got new season of Discovery, uh, final season of Discovery coming, they've got new seasons of Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks after the ones that are coming this year. They've already announced that they've got renewals for that and there is another thing coming as well which we'll talk about in a bit. So they've kind of got their hands full right now but I do hope that they go back to that Star Trek legacy idea because i would really really like to see that show it would be quite good you haven't been watching picard have you because it's you've not sort of done much of the next generation stuff no i tried some of season one it just didn't quite sort of click for me yeah i would advise you to go and maybe try and jump in on the third season i just don't know how well it will work because you don't know next generation Mm. so it's difficult to tell but if you are a fan of next generation throughout the whole of this there are easter eggs just scattered all over the place from (laughs) certain characters popping up without giving anything away there are even sort of rather unexpected characters popping up at various points as well who were sort of relatively minor like there's a an admiral that pops up who was last seen in the best of both worlds which was the finale of next generation pops up again in this i don't want to give away how or why but yeah you know she's sort of one character that pops up you've got even nods to 12 monkeys the tv series which terry maitlis ran prior to this and even some of the actors pop up in it as well so there's even sort of nods to other things that he's done in here as well there was a beautiful little tribute to anton yeltsin who played Chekhov in the movie versions and really tragically passed away after a um, really bizarre accident where a car rolled backwards and crushed him against a wall it was really really horrible but he played Pavlov Chekhov in the movie versions they actually had a character show up as president of earth in this it was only done in a voiceover but it was son of Pavlov Chekhov and they called him Anton Chekhov which I thought was a really nice 
little nod to the actor that played him in the films. They really, really thought through what they were doing with it. And I thought it was wonderful. Certainly if you're a fan of Next Generation and you've been not getting on with the first couple of seasons of Picard, jump in on the third season because it is well, well worth it. It's a really, really solid run and they land it beautifully. I'm very interested to see where that whole sort of Star Trek universe goes from there. On the film side of things, I did actually get round to watching a movie this week. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is out on home release to buy. Uh, It's not on Disney Plus yet, interestingly. They've actually put it out to buy and given it a sort of streaming pay-for release window on other platforms before they put it directly onto Disney Plus, which is the first time I think they've done that. It's available on places like Sky Store and Amazon and that sort of stuff. I enjoyed it. It's okay. It's missing a little bit of the sort of fun spark. And I think the plot is a little bit all over the place. It feels a bit rushed in places. I mean, the basic premise is you've got Scott Hope, Janet and Hank and Scott's daughter, Cassie, and they're all pulled down into the quantum realm where they discover a civilization which has been impressed by somebody called the Conqueror, which we all know at this point is Kang, because, I mean, that news has been everywhere, played by, well, currently played by Jonathan Majors. Whether that continues kind of depends on what happens over the next sort of month or so, I think. But it's a good introduction to Kang, who is going to be the big bad for Fave 5 and 6. Whether Majors plays him or not, or whether they have to recast him is going to be up to them. Uh, We'll see where things go with that. You've seen this, haven't you? What did you think? I did see it. I'm kind of on the same boat as you. I thought it was good. Like, not one of Marvel's worst or best, but I thought it was good. I I mean, you know, we all like Scott and Ant-Man and that kind of stuff this is more of a kang film though it's like the full proper introduction to him and everything had some some odd choices i think the thing that uh takes it down a few notch and i i think i'd spoken about this when i reviewed it before been a lot of comments in the last let's say year or so about marvel and the whole vfx situation and yeah. i'd always been i'd on on the visual side for me i'd always been the kind of like oh, i don't need things to look really pretty they just need to look sort of decent but it's the everything else that i care about story characters mm-hmm. plot whatever same goes for games and there is a lot of emphasis this, in this day and age about how good things look especially when it comes to you know oh shiny new ps5 game and that type of stuff and then i watched this film and it was just like notably worse than like the, the from the visual aspect the, the only obviously the difference there is you're in the quantum realm for most of the film as opposed to on location stuff on you know a street or a building where it's just going to look the same as what it looks mm-hmm. and there was a few just like glaringly really poorly looking um yeah. bits in the film to a point where it was distracting and I was like I was aware of the VFX issue before that but that, that kind of like fully woke me up to the problem because mm-hmm. I thought Marvel like a big studio like Marvel you kind of have films looking like this going forward whether it's just normal VFX shots or soundstage or whatever it is that you're using because I was you know trying to watch the scenes where these characters are having dialogue and all this kind of stuff and like the background would just look really strange and I saw this you know in the cinema on the big screen so it was a bit more right. bit more glaring that was um, like one of the worst aspects of it. Uh, it it is I think the film is like saved by Kang that's not to say the other characters aren't great but it is really his kind of film almost to a point i've brought this up for a couple of films in the past i wonder if this film should have had a different title um, right, yeah. there's, a, there's a couple of films you look at and think okay changing the title to something better won't make the film better but it will make more sense so i think you should have put ant-man and something kang something i, I don't know like yeah, yeah kang's name not being I, I know it is an ant-man film but it is really a kang film so i i think that would have possibly helped a little bit yeah i mean gray kind of mentioned this when he talked about it and said you know it is called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and whilst Ant-Man is a central character it is very much a Kang film and the Wasp is very much a side character you know so it it doesn't really balance that out particularly well you know I mean it is Ant-Man plus Janet, Hank, Cassie and Hope but it really isn't Ant-Man and the Wasp it's Ant-Man and Kang really yeah that is going to be an interesting thing moving forward what Disney end up having to do there because I mean they have invested a lot in Jonathan Majors and there is a possibility that they may have to recast him Mm. so we'll see what happens with that but I think you can get away with it because there are a lot of multiverse versions of Kang and I mean at the moment they've all looked like Jonathan Majors but I think you can fudge that I mean they recast Rhodey after one movie so you know (laughs) 
Yeah. Because he's locked in for Loki season two, isn't he? I think they, they filmed all that because that's like coming yes, very, very I soon. Think so. But no, just just on that front as well. Yes, if Jonathan Majors is found to be, you know, guilty of what he's done, then yes, he should be replaced in the same way as, you know, Ezra should have. Obviously, that's a longer ongoing situation. Yes. I hope Marvel doesn't make the same mistake that Warner Brothers has done on that side. Because as good as any actor is in any role, if you've done something bad to a legal point, such as Jonathan Majors has apparently done, we don't Allegedly, know if he has or yes. has, hasn't I mean, definitely done it. Yes, he says he um, hasn't, but yes. But we don't know the situation. But if, if he's found guilty, then yes, he should be replaced. Mm-hmm. So whether they can have the same effect as him as can, because he was like very particularly intimidating in, in the role, which is he's supposed to be. But there's plenty of other really, really great actors out there that exactly. could uh, do the role. Yes, we'll see what happens with that. There is one other TV show that I started this week called The Diplomat, which is on Netflix, not to be confused with The Diplomat, which is an entirely different show, which is on Alibi. Yes, there are two shows both called The Diplomat. One's on Alibi. Uh, that's a very British show. This is far more sort of American-British show. It's a mixture of the two. But The Diplomat on Netflix, it's interesting. It's billed as a political thriller. And I was expecting something that's kind of gritty and, you know, intrigue and all that sort of thing when they say it's... And it's not. It's much, much more of a comedy drama. Way more than I kind of expected. It's tonally much closer to something like Succession. So there is a lot of drama in there, but there is this dark comedy element running through it as well. And it is a comedy drama. It isn't really a political thriller. It's a comedy drama that is based around politics. Stars Kerry Russell as Kate Wyler. Kerry Russell, you'll know from the Americans, is probably the biggest thing she's done. She's used to being this sort of US civil servant in areas that are prone to conflict. So always where the action is. You know, she's that sort of diplomatic presence. She's about to head off to this new assignment in one of these conflict zones. I think it's Kabul or somewhere like that. And a British aircraft carrier is attacked in the Middle East, causing a lot of fatalities and inflaming tensions between the UK, US and Iran, who is suspected of being the people carrying out the attack. President pulls her into the office and says, look, we're not going to send you to this conflict zone. We're going to send you to the UK instead because things are going pear-shaped and you've got a lot of experience with the Middle East. But the role of ambassador to the UK is sort of usually seen as kind of a cushy holiday job goes generally to people that have donated a bunch of money to somebody's campaign and they get nominated as ambassador to the UK because it's a fairly easy gig usually you know it's like a lot of parties and smoozing and that sort of stuff and of course with being the UK there's a lot of sort of pageantry and protocol that comes with the way that we do things over here when it comes to that sort of stuff so she's very much a kind of fish out of water in that role she's used to being kind Kind of in there doing stuff, action, getting shot at and that sort of thing. And now she finds herself in this giant mansion in the English countryside and is still dealing with this problem of the Middle East, but this entirely alien world to her. So uh, it's, it's very much this sort of fish out of water thing. On top of that, it also becomes rather apparent that there is an ulterior motive the president have for specifically sending her to the UK for this gig as well. She's joined by her husband, who is a guy called Hal, played by Rufus Sirwell, who you'll know from a whole bunch of things, but uh, Man in the High Castle, Victoria, Kaleidoscope, he was in the Netflix series. He is incredibly charming, very, very experienced diplomat himself, well-known ambassador, has contacts everywhere. However, he has rather upset certain people in power in the US and it's kind of seen him sidelined. So he's sort of working vicariously through his wife. So you've got this relationship going on between the pair of them as well. It's a really, really, really well-written thing. I would say up there with something like succession in the way that it kind of pulls together and the cast is great you've got people like Michael McKean who you know from Better Call Saul in there you've got Rory Kinnear who plays the British Prime Minister who uh, has been you know years and years Bond film Penny Dreadful Our Flag Means Death Black Mirror where he also played a very different Prime Minister in that episode that was the infamous Prime Minister episode uh, which I won't go into David Geisy who's been in Carnival Row and Interstellar Ali Ann who was in Ray Dion, Alto uh, Sando, who was in Altered Carbon and Blue Bloods. 
Really, really great cast in there. That's The Diplomat. It's on Netflix. It's well worth checking out. Uh, not what I expected at all, but really, really solid series. And I would definitely advise you to go and uh, look at that. It's really good. Like I say, it's The Diplomat on Netflix, not The Diplomat on Alibi, which is a very, very different show. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. So we kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. It's been a busy week at Disney because most of these renewals and cancellations come from Disney. National Treasure, the TV series, has been cancelled by Disney after one season, which I mean, I didn't watch it, but I can kind of understand that because I, I think they tried to create a TV series, but I don't think it had any real connection to the films. And that seems to be a bit of a mistake. You know, I think there was a far more interesting way of making a TV series which could have connected to the Nick Cage movies a lot better. Mm. And, and, you know, and they went in an entirely different direction. I, I think that was probably not a great idea. So I knew this was on the way, but before I was aware that it was out, it had gotten cancelled. Right, okay. So that was, because I saw, that, oh, it's been cancelled. And I was like, oh, I wasn't aware that, I was aware that it was on the way. I'd, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know that it had come out. It was December, actually. So it has been in, oh, out wow. for a while. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of, it's just a shame that they didn't do it in a slightly different direction, because I think there was far more interesting things they could have done with that mm. but anyway it, there is a lot of disney plus adverts i see because they're, they're- one yeah. of the adverts at the moment is kind of, oh, you think you know Disney Plus, but they've got all these other brands and like Grey's Anatomy and all this other kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is quite smart for them to do. But National Treasure was not in one of those. I'd, I'd seen like YouTube adverts or whatever. It had been Grey's Anatomy, you know, things like Black Panther and Kanto, and then obviously like Mandalorian. Even within those things, I hadn't seen any National Treasure. Yes, man, you won't see any more of it now because it's now gone. <laughs> so Apple rare cancellation as well after one season. That was a show called Dear Edward, which didn't get a huge amount of traction I don't think it's not Taylor Schilling who was uh, well Orange is the New Black I think was the big thing she was in and had Connie Britton in it as well you know so there was some reasonable names in it it was about a lone survivor of a plane crash apparently but unfortunately just didn't find an audience by the sounds of Mm. it so that has gone after one season did you ever stumble across that one because I did did see that on there but I hadn't I hadn't clicked on it now yeah that's now gone after one season in terms of the renewals though as I say Disney being busy mainly with ABC will Trent renew for a second season so that is on Disney Plus over here now I haven't started it yet but it is one that i want to go and look at my dad had started it he said it wasn't very good but then i, I don't know what to make of that so <laughs> right okay yeah. yeah i will go and take a look at that soon and see good doctor renewed for season seven rookie renewed for season six rookie fed still doesn't have a renewal at the moment we don't know exactly what's going to happen with that i mean in all honesty if that doesn't come back i'm not going to be heartbroken i don't think it's as good by any stretch of the imagination of the main show i I think part of it is the cast doesn't bond quite as well and unfortunately I think Nicey Nash who is the lead isn't particularly strong as the lead in that sort of suffers from it's not Nathan Fillion <laughs> mm. uh, but I mean it's fine it's just it just doesn't gel quite as well so maybe they could pull it around with the second season I mean the rookie is far more of an ensemble show at this point and I just think the casting in the main show is is much better but that's back for a sixth season the main rookie anyway Station 19 has also been renewed for season seven. It's got some new showrunners as well because the person that was showrunner on Grey's and on Station 19 has moved off to do other things. So Grey's has got new showrunners and Station 19 has got new showrunners as well. They're all people that have been promoted sort of internally and right. had already been sort of writers or exec producers on the show anyway. So the names will probably mean nothing to most people. They're people that know what they're doing basically on those series. That basically leaves the Connors, Home Economics, 
Comics, Big Sky and Alaska Daily as the four shows which they need to renew at ABC. Connors will be coming back pretty certainly. It's just because of the way that show was created out of abrupt end of Roseanne revival, they sign year-on-year contracts. So it means they have to renegotiate the contracts every year. So it takes much longer for that to get renewed because they've got to, like, I mean, there's, what, six main people in that cast or something. So they've got to do all those contract renewals. Home Economics, Big Sky and Alaska Daily are all looking quite shaky for renewals because they've all tanked in numbers. So they may come back, they may not. They're very much bubble shows, those three. Reasonable Doubt has been renewed for a second season. That's also a Disney show because that airs on Hulu. Morris Chestnut, who you'll know from things like The Resident V, American Horror Story, he is uh, joining in the second season as well. Uh, First season of that is on Disney Plus in the UK. And in the UK as well, BBC have renewed Blue Lights. That is renewed for a second season as well. In terms of pickups and other news, Waterloo Road back for a 12th season in May, the BBC is confirmed. So that is coming back and fairly quickly. That's quite a quick turnaround because I think the old, the last season only went out towards the end of last year. So they've done a fairly fast turnaround on that. Neighbours over on Amazon Freebie has begun filming. So new episodes of that coming later this year, but they have started filming the new episodes. So if you're a Neighbours fan, that is coming back. Netflix has got a couple of dates as well. Lupin Season 3, which was that French language drama, which was a huge success. 5th of October. So that's a way out yet, but Season 3 of of that has now got an air date. And there is a show called Heartland, which is coming back to Netflix as well. That's got a 16th season. That's coming on the 17th of May. Over on Apple TV, they've announced, uh, it's a bit early to talk about Christmas, but they have announced a Christmas (laughs) special. Uh, Hannah Waddingham, who you'll know from, I mean, just various stand-up, but uh, she's in Ted Lasso as well, which is the big thing she's been in. But she is going to be presenting her own TV special at Christmas for Apple. Delivers a captivating night to remember featuring dazzling performances and musical numbers from the Olivia-nominated actress as well as special surprise guests. So yes, I mean, she has got a background on theatre work and singing and all that sort of stuff. So I think that will be quite a fun thing around mm. Christmas on Apple TV, I think. And she's, she's wonderful. I've seen her on so many different things. She's uh, very, very funny. I don't watch Ted but I know you do so yeah she's uh, Rebecca on that show she's the owner of the actual Richmond Football Club who is the one that hires Ted for the actual manager role she's done some singing in some actual episodes like when they've done a karaoke night and, and that kind of stuff I'm sure she'll be very very good in this I'll be curious to uh, to check this out she's really great she is and she's very very funny and exactly the sort of person to host this sort of variety yeah, yeah. show hopefully I think, she'll Christmas. get a couple of guests from uh, maybe I wouldn't a surprise Goldstein me. or Jason wants to pop up or something yeah, would not surprise me in the slightest if that happens. Brett's been making quite the splash recently. Yeah. There was another TV show in development which there was a TV show in in development that that was announced which I mean I I have absolutely zero interest in but there is apparently a Twilight TV series in development. It's from Sinead Daly who has done things like Tell Me Lies and she wrote on uh, Walking Dead World Beyond as well. So she's writing the script. Stephanie Meyer who is the Twilight author is expected to be involved in the show's development as well being developed for Lionsgate it is in early development I have very little interest in the films and sparkly vampires and at this point no it's being developed so it may not turn into anything we don't know there's been so many vampire shows out and I just that's the one that I really have zero interest in but I know there is a fan base out there for it so maybe but mm. I this is almost in the well it is in the exact same boat as Harry Potter which is they're both very very recent mm-hmm because they both had all their films and stuff. I mean, I did a whole thing on the Harry Potter thing recently, but yeah, you just like, do you need to spend money on this? Do, do you need to? Because this, this, I assume, is going to do the same thing as Harry Potter, which is tell the same story. Well, they've said with this that it may, it may not. They don't know whether they're going to go back to the books or do something completely original. So mm. we'll see. If it's something original and expands the universe, then yeah, maybe. If they're just going to do the books as a TV series, which is what they're doing with Harry Potter. And well, as I said, with the Harry Potter thing, I kind of get it. I think it's too soon to do it, but I do kind of get it because they cut a lot out of the books to make the movies. So I can see a purpose there. I think it's too soon. 
but I can see a purpose there. With this, it may be the same thing with the films. To be honest, I find it very difficult to care. And <laughs> um, I don't know. If they're going in a different direction, then maybe. But no, mm. I have no interest, really. See, with the Harry Potter thing, you just did Hogwarts Legacy, which was completely detached from Harry's story and had brand new characters, one of which you make yourself because that's the customizable, playable character. And they told a disconnected, fresh story in the world. And it was it was great because you have the wizarding world that you can mess about with. I don't know how much you can do that in Twilight in kind of the same way. Maybe you mm-hmm. can. I, I don't know that, well, that world near enough as, as well as Harry Potter. But if you are just going to do, let, let's say on both sides, you are just going to tell the same story, but a bit longer because it's going to be a season rather than a film and recast all the people that are in these beloved roles. People really like those actors in those roles. And it's just, they're both so recent. Yeah. I don't know if you can do the same sort of like, oh, disconnect from Edward or whatever his name is story and tell a different I don't know if you can do that as much but I'm I'm assuming you can't do another sequel or something so Mm. as soon as I saw this it was the same tired comments of like oh why we do you know why can't you just do yeah Yeah. just why I mean and I mean there's comments out there of like oh why are we always rebooting the same stuff there is loads and loads and loads of new content but it's when you come across something like this and you think why have you chosen to do this so money and there's an audience for it well yes yes Yes. <laughs> so, speaking of rebooting and adding things to franchise, but at least this is adding something to a franchise and it is mm. coming back to a character and there has been a lot of outcry for this. Paramount has announced a Star Trek Section 31 event movie starring Michelle Yeoh. So it's Michelle Yeoh back as Emperor Philippa Georgiou from Discovery as she joins a secret division of Starfleet tasked with protecting the United Federation of Planets and faces the sins of her past. So it's going into production next year. This was originally talked about as a series. Pretty much from the beginning, they've talked about doing this as a series. And then Michelle Gugliot went and won an Oscar. And I think Mm -hmm. just availability, I suspect it's either availability or cost. I don't know. But they wanted to do something more with that character. And I'm very happy that they managed to find some way of doing it. And I think a movie is a perfectly reasonable way of revisiting that character for this. I'm very happy to have a back show. Michelle Yeoh's fantastic. That character of yep. the Emperor was just amazing. And it explores Section 31, which is an area that we've not really looked at that much in Star Trek. It's sort of popped up in the periphery of various different shows, but it's never one that we've really focused on. So I, I think it's an interesting thing to expand the universe there. I think this will be great. It's good that they're moving forward with this because I really do love her and her character as well. She's one of them actors that you put her in something, and even if that specific thing isn't good it'll at least be worth it somewhat because she's in it yes Uh, so she's one of them you always kind of win with her sort of thing i would like more than this hopefully they can expand it beyond this as well but like you said with popularity and price that could be a problem and look you know she's worth what she's worth you know you wouldn't want her to take a a lesser paycheck or something but it's both of us just saying in terms of we want more of that character and uh, i hope that they manage to do more than film it may end up being a series of films i mean you know michelle yo clearly likes the character of Emperor Giorgio. So <laughs> she wants to come back and doing it. I mean, she was the one apparently who originally pitched the idea of a spin-off even before right. Discovery had started shooting. So she loves the character. She's happy to come back and do it. It may be one of those things that maybe they can do Section 31 movies every couple of years or something and keep the character going. Maybe there is something in that. But I'm very much looking forward to this. Is, is that going to have, um, what was his name? Tyler. Possibly, yeah, because Tyler was off in Section 31 as well, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, so maybe season two three that was a while ago yeah yes going back a bit so yeah could very well do Mm. with that she's the only cast that's been announced for it so far moving over onto the bbc they have announced an adaptation of lord of the flies the classic novel the adaptation's been written by jack thorne who i mean he's a multi-award winning writer he did national treasure he did help he did this is england he wrote enola holmes he actually wrote harry potter and the cursed child based on the story by jk rowling but he was the one that actually wrote it he wrote his dark materials as well it's being executive produced by 11 who are the people that did sex education i mean lord of the flies i think many people will know the story because they covered it in school but it's a story of a group of young boys who find themselves stranded on a tropical island in an attempt to remain civil the boys organize themselves led by ralph and supported by the group's intellectual piggy 
but Jack, who's in charge of signal fire duty, is more interested in hunting and vying for leadership and begins to draw the other boys away from the order of the group and ultimately from hope to tragedy. It's a very, very well-known story. It's a very, very well-known story from William Golding, who actually won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Amazingly, there have been a couple of movie adaptations. It's never been made into a TV series before, which I'm really, really surprised about because it is such a huge, well-known book. There have been things that have taken ideas from Lord of the Flies and sort of, you know, done versions of it without directly copying it, but this will be a solid, straight adaptation of the book itself. I rather like the sound of this. I mean, incredible writer behind it. No casting, but I mean, the cast will all probably be newcomers anyway. I'm really interested in this. It's surprising just though that it's never had a TV adaptation before. Yeah, that is surprising. There's one that I'm aware of and that yeah. sort of thing. So we'll see what they can do with this. It's got some some promise behind it. That um, Cursed Child, that's a sequel play to the last film, isn't it? Yes. But they haven't made that into a film for no. some reason. No, I'd they rather haven't. Them, I'd rather them do that than the TV series. Yeah, but, well, uh, everybody else has sort of said, yeah. why didn't they do that or build, you know, start off with doing a TV version of that and then build from it, you know? Yeah, but uh, anyway, this sounds like it could work. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and a phenomenal writer behind it. I mean, Jack Thorne is an amazing writer. I mean, you love the yeah, no, not, bad, not a bad TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, not yeah, certainly not. And that's just some of the stuff. I mean, the rest of it is, it's to say, his dark materials, Anola Holmes, This Is England, Help, National Treasure. I mean, just phenomenal TV stuff. So. Over on Netflix, they have ordered a new sci-fi called The Burrows, which is from both the team behind Stranger Things and the team behind the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's exec produced by Duffer Brothers, who are the Stranger Things guys, and Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews, who were behind the Age of Resistance Dark Crystal. Those are the people that basically pitched it to them. It's set in a seemingly picturesque retirement community in the New Mexico desert, where a group of unlikely heroes must band together to stop an otherworldly threat from stealing one thing that they don't have, time. And reading that description, it's sort of interesting and feels very much in the Duffer Brothers sort of wheelhouse and the type of thing that they would get involved with because while Stranger Things is very much a love letter to those sort of child-led 80s movies like The Goonies, this does sound very reminiscent of another big 80s film called Cocoon, which was about a retirement community being visited by aliens. I think this will be a very different direction to that in the same way that, you know, Stranger Things isn't the Goonies, but it sort of feels like in that wheelhouse to me. I mean, great people behind it. It's called The Burrows. I think this sounds like it could be quite interesting. Very much could. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good things behind this. It's interesting that this has come up because I had a theory, I think it was a couple of months ago when I did that Dear Netflix, Please Stop episode. And it was basically a recap of recent mistakes that they've made. And one of the things, I there was a lot of things I mentioned in that, but one of the things I mentioned was a few notable creators that had made what I would consider successful shows. Because apparently, according to Netflix, they've never cancelled a successful show, which I think most of us would disagree with. Yes. But one of the things I had in there was sort of like creators of previous things that had made made new things or like people like Mike Flanagan that was known for like the Netflix event horror guy, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, who's now gone over to Amazon. And I was looking at kind of who's left on, who's still there on the on the table because you had like the dark creators that made, that they finished dark and then they did 18, I think 1899. That got cancelled. So we'll see if they come back. Dark Crystal also did get cancelled as well. A lot of people were really disappointed by. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things, I don't think Netflix could cancel because that would be a disaster. Yes. Plus it's ending with a fifth season. And I looked and thought, okay, which which big creator do they have left that's making something big? And I landed on the Duffer Brothers. And I one of the and it's just, you know, just a guessing me doing analysis like theory thing. So I could be totally wrong. I hope I'm wrong about it because I hope that the show's good and that it gets the finish that it, that it needs to. That's what should happen with this. But one of the kind of theories I had was, OK, Duffer Brothers, Stranger Things, success, you know, pop culture sort of phenomenon. OK, so what if, about if they come back and they do another show, which is what we have here? So one of the theories I had was, OK, if, if Netflix, because they have calm, I mean, they've calmed down recently on cancellations, but I mean, you can't keep doing that because you'll run out of shows. Yeah. I mean, I know they make a bunch of stuff, but like the big notable stuff, you can only cancel so much of that because otherwise you'll run out of things. So what would happen if they canceled this, let's say, after one, two or three seasons, whatever it would be, and then you annoy the Duffer Brothers? What would kind of happen there? I hope none of that happens. I hope that they're able to tell the story they want to tell and mm-hmm. it gets the amount of seasons it needs, just like Stranger Things 
things because one way Netflix, because if I'm putting on, you know, the Netflix brain for a minute, they could look at this and maybe think, okay, if this isn't, this is from the same people that have done Stranger Things. If it isn't as successful, what do we do with that? They could be thinking that. It's a silly thought because it doesn't have to be a successful Stranger Things, but that's kind of the way they operate sometimes. So we'll see. But yeah, like I said, hope this goes well. It's got some good people behind it. What do you think of my kind of Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing is whether this is just a one-off thing. They've had quite a lot of success recently with one-off dramas. The Harlan Coben stuff, which are self-contained. I mean, they've adapted so much of that stuff, but they are all one-off self-contained things. And as I said, Diplomat, which I'm watching at the moment, I don't know whether that's going to be a one-off self-contained thing or whether they're going to make more of it, but they do very well with those one-off self-contained dramas and TV shows. So if it's one of those, great. If they need to make more of it, I would hope that they give them the leeway to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's tricky. I I think the problem is that there are certain shows that, like, I mean, Warrior and there was a big outcry when they cancelled that after two seasons. And not everything can be a massive global hit. Sometimes you need to be able to kind of go back and say, okay, it's not making as much as it needs to, so what can we do? Rather than just going, well, that's not worked, can it? Which it really does feel sometimes like algorithm says no, and they just like, you, you know, it does feel a bit like that and i don't know how it works internally at netflix but it does rather feel like there is some computer brain that's just gone not enough numbers cancel it rather than actually having human intervention like look at apple and amazon where they have renewed things before they've even gone to air because they go okay we like this we think it's the type of thing we should be airing let's put more of it on whereas netflix is sort of throw enough mud at the wall and see what sticks approach Mm. really starts to upset fans because you then get some shows which aren't getting the numbers that they need to but have got a very dedicated core fan base and you end up cancelling them so that upsets a lot of people and you get a bad rap for that so they need to figure that out it's their cancellation policy they need to work out there's a lot of ways they could learn from Apple but one particular way if you've got a reputation for let's say after one two or three seasons cancelling things maybe don't keep commissioning shows that need five or eight seasons or <laughs> something maybe because uh, there have been a number of Apple shows that have been very very good they've lasted maybe some one season some have been two or you've got like Ted Lasso which is like going to be four they've had a lot of three season shows yeah, on there like, three, like three or four yeah. Yeah, season example of that and they've had quite a lot of limited series so if you don't want to have a situation where you're renewing something for five to eight seasons then maybe commission some shows that are only going to actually have a story built for two or three Mm because then instead of cancelling something after three you could just commission a show that's only going to last three seasons and just finish it yeah. like Dark's a good example of that like they did with that so yeah. as we were talking earlier about shows that are getting remade or movies that are getting remade into TV shows Paramount Plus are having a stab at Galaxy Quest once again which is, is interesting because this has moved around from various streaming services I think Amazon had a go at it at one point it's now at Paramount Plus which is slightly ironic given that the thing that Galaxy Quest was a satire of was Star Trek. <laughs> Paramount Plus is the home of Star Trek, the thing that it was parodying in the first place. So it's kind of an odd place for it to land, but I think they just have the rights to it as through... I, I don't think they did originally. I don't think they were directly involved in the original film, but through various mergers and things, it's ended up with them having the rights to it. If you haven't watched Galaxy Quest, you can actually go and find it on all four right now. It, it's brilliantly funny. Go and watch it. But it's a story of a group of actors who are on this Star Trek-like TV show and they are abducted by aliens who believe the actors are actually the characters from their TV show and they're abducted by these aliens to try and save the galaxy. It's really, really funny. It stars Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, the late Alan Rickman, Tony Schlob, Sam Rockwell, a bunch of other people as well. It's got a great cast. Very, very funny film. This latest attempt at the live action series is in the early stages of development of Paramount+. Plus. has the original film producer Mark 
Johnson involved in it, who also, after producing this, went on to do things like Breaking Bad and the Interview with the Vampire series on AMC. He's attached to the exec producer. There's no writer, no cast, no director attached at the moment. There have been a couple of other attempts to do this, as I mentioned. The original idea was to do a direct sequel. And the closest they got to that was in 2015 with a sequel series at Amazon Studios with the film's original co-writer and director involved. That unfortunately stalled when Alan Rickman passed away of pancreatic cancer in 2016, and they weren't sure what they were going to do now they'd lost one of the main cast members. It was then revived in 2017 with a guy called Paul Shear writing, and he had the idea of making a sort of next generation idea. So they bring in some of the original cast, but also bring in new cast as sort of moving forward. That was the idea with that. That sort of stalled as well. Then randomly in an interview in 2021, Georgia Pritchett, who has worked on things like Veep and Succession, revealed that she'd actually been working on a script alongside Simon Pegg for a new Galaxy Quest series, although things have gone quiet on that. So whether they're involved in any of this version, I don't know. But she apparently mentioned that she was working on that. So we don't know what direction this new iteration is going to take, whether it's going to use the original cast, whether it's going to be a complete reboot of the movie idea, whether it's going to be a continuation, just don't know at the moment. But I love the film. I like the idea of this sort of parody thing. I think it was a really lovely idea of sort of the actors from the TV show being mistaken for being sort of these galactic heroes. I'm up for them doing something with this. I just don't know exactly how they're going to approach it. We'll have to wait and see with that. Have you seen that film? I'm aware of it, but I don't think I've seen it. No. Really um, should go sounds, watch. It sounds quite fun though. It is. This, uh, that, the whole idea with this. So yeah, as long as you get some good money behind it and that kind of stuff, I, I think this could be quite fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can go and watch it on uh, what was all for, but I think has now been branded just as Channel 4 to confuse things. But uh, yeah, the, you can basically go on to the Channel 4 website and stream it because it is available on there. So if you want to go and catch it, you can go and watch the original film if you haven't watched it i do urge you to go and see it It is very 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 funny as i say in early development at paramount at the moment we'll find out in the next sort of 12 months or so whether anything actually happens with it that's all the news we've got for this week just some highlights for next week on tv So highlights for next week, as uh, 911 Lone Star disappears for a mid-season break, 911, the main show, is back for the second half of its sixth season. That's coming to Disney Plus on the 26th of April. The Curse returns for a second season on the 27th of April. That's at 10pm on Channel 4. That's the thing about the uh, comedy caper set in London in the 80s, a gang of hopeless criminals that are embroiled in one of the biggest gold heists in history. It's basically a comedy version of The Gold, the BBC series, although it came first. That was very, very funny, the first season of that, so I'm glad that's back. Inside Number 9 returns for a season 8. That's on BBC2 on the 27th of April at 10pm as well. La Brea, the wonderfully silly series about a sinkhole opening in the middle of Los Angeles. That returns for the second half of season two. That's on the 27th of April as well. Guilt returns for its third and final season. That's on BBC Two at 9pm on the 27th of April. Sweet Tooth returns for its second season. That's on the 27th of April on Netflix. That was a great series. There is a new show called Citadel, which is an action spy thriller from the Russo brothers, which stars Prokina Chopra Jonas and Richard Madden and Stanley Tucci. That turns up on Prime Video on the 28th of April. That's called Citadel. That looks like it's going to be quite good. That sounds quite good, yeah. Yeah. Fatal Attraction is a TV series based on the popular film of the same name. That turns on Paramount Plus on the 1st of May. And Perry Mason, they finally settled on a date for when it's going to land on Sky Atlantic, having jumped it around a bit. But uh, 2nd of May, that lands on there. So uh, that is um, the return of Matthew Reese as Perry Mason for that that is everything we've got for this week i forgot to mention earlier happy birthday by the way because it was your birthday you. last week and uh it is i think daryl's birthday we've all got like our birthdays at once or something yes we? weirdly all the co-hosts <laughs> have their birthday over the next couple of uh, weeks it's daryl's birthday later this week it's gray's birthday at the end of the week it's my birthday next week and it's bex's birthday at the end of next week so yeah we're Perfect. all sort of all the co-hosts really have their birthdays within two weeks there's no reason for that other than that's just how it happened <laughs> So 
uh, yes, happy birthday to you, Matt, and happy birthday Thank to Daryl as well for uh, later in this week. But if people want to find more of your stuff, where can they find you? If you do want to hear more from me, uh, you can go to entertainmenttalk.org or your favourite podcast platforms. Do TV, games, films, May Night Podcast, uh, the unusual stuff, gaming talk, a couple of film reviews here and there, some TV stuff I've done as well. Big stuff going on with May United at the moment. Of course, we had a very, very tense penalty shootout yesterday, putting us into the FA Cup final, a chance at another trophy. So two two cup finals in one season. No, Nobody would have told you that we would have done that a year ago. So big progress there. But the FA Cup final against Manchester City <laughs> big, big stakes are on the line. Very big stakes are on the line. Also, the first time that's ever happened as well. Obviously, we played really? City like wow. all the time, but for an FA Cup final, yeah. So the chance to step up is one of the biggest games of some of their careers, I think. So yeah, yeah just a bunch of TV, game, films, May United stuff on there. I am trying to stream my own little FIFA career mode on Twitch, like an hour once a week or so. That's on eTalk UK over on Twitch. If you missed the first two episodes, if you want to check those out, that's on YouTube. Entertainment All Plays, and that is me. Go and check Matt out on entertainmenttalk.org for other people involved in the show you can of course go and find Bex on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's B-Y-T-E-S she is streaming every week for lots of fun and silliness over there she's also been at a couple of live events recently so you can check her out go and check out her schedule and stuff over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites for Daryl you can go and find him over at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series that you love that are shot in Canada and for us, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.